Hello, I'm Lee West. I'm Senior Minister of Rafa International. We are an independent Pentecostal Trinitarian ministry. We offer inputs on social and spiritual matters from biblical points of view. Our books are listed on our website, rafaministriesworld.net, and they can be ordered from Amazon. For prayer and information, please call 904-565-2412. Other inquiries, you can send us an email at rafaministriesworld at gmail.com. We would welcome donations, which can be placed on our website, rafaministriesworld.net. To uh, have you check in with us. And I want to talk today about some subjects that I think we need to discuss as, as part of the body of Christ. And as you well know, because our of our nomenclature, we mainly minister to discipling the body of Christ. We, we leave the major evangelistic work to those who are called to that in, in the fivefold ministry gifts. And, of course, we definitely believe in, uh, in personal evangelism and even ministry evangelism. But we don't have that calling of an evangelist, but we certainly believe in doing the work of an evangelist where God leads us individually, corporately, and the staff and individually. Today, I, I want to plant the seed by what we're going to talk about by saying that due to current times, you have some decisions that you've got to make because things are accelerating now that as they never have before, that's going to require firm, committed decisions on people and mainly upon Christians because we're coming under attack. And I hate to spoil your bubble if, that's, if you think things are going to get better in the political world, the social world, the economic world, uh, and certainly in the Christian world, because they are not, because the world cannot stand as we, as time compresses and we get toward the closer toward the end of the age, the world cannot stand the Christian force to be in place. They're going to attack it as much as they can. And of course, Satan is, is a major foe for us. And he would like to be certainly in, interjecting in our himself into our uh, workings and but the good thing about uh, us is that we teach and we believe and we function under the thought that he that's within us is greater than he's within the world so Satan he can trot out his big guns and we like to believe it because we're a force for God not just another nice voice because we're a force for God we expect to encounter uh heavy demonic activity of the super bad, strong, false angels of God, fallen angels of God. And of course, if you have this type of ministry in your life, and if you follow us, and you're going to be under attack. But the good news is that we, we stand for our partners. They, they, they're covered underneath our umbrella, um, umbrella of prayer. And so things are, things are going to get dark for the world. But like someone said one time, in a darkened room, it just takes a little bit of light. And I've used this analogy before since I've always been around the seashore, except for a few short stints in the military and, and other places. When we stand on the seashore at night and we look way out into the ocean, a lot of times we can see uh, shrimp boats and things like that out there at night. But there'll be those, uh, those nights when you look out there and there's nothing there except one little pin light. Uh, it's probably about eight or nine miles out to sea. 
It's very small, it's very dim, but in that darkness, it, it has a great awareness to it. And I like to uh, use the analogy of that, a Christian who's a sold-out Christian to God, and especially one who knows who they are in Christ. And that's what we're about teaching in the disciple area, Be teaching people how to be who they are in Christ, to have the authority that God dele delegated to the church through Jesus Christ. So I, as I said, with the darkening of the world and things accelerating as they are, you can see that around you. If you watch the news, unless you watch some of the, the, the major, so used to be major news, news stations. Now they're just a compromise news station. There are very few out there uh, who, who are reporting the truth nowadays. And so based upon the fact that we're under severe attack in every quarter today, and you know that as well as I, that, uh, my, my statement to you is that you've got some heavy decisions to make in the short amount of time starting today, uh, actually starting in this time frame and accelerating as we get on closer uh, toward the end, which is inevitable. And the reason I say that it's inevitable because uh, let me just show, say to you that 13.6 billion years ago, according to the, to the astronomers, uh, the Big Bang occurred. Now, the number one question that plagues scientists today who have any kind of discipline in this field, especially astronomers, is what was happening a fraction of a second before the Big Bang? And they don't, they don't have an answer for that. Well, we, we have an answer for it as Christians because God gave us the word on it. He said before that he, he's always been before and he'll always be uh, in the future, and right now he knows the end from the beginning. So nothing slips up on our God, and He's telling us that He He before the second before He revealed that Big Bang to man, He was fashioning this uh, creation of our universe as we know it, the beginning of that, and He knew that. The, the, the staggering thing is he knew this in his heart and mind and soul from eternity. It's never been a time he didn't look for this moment right now. And aren't we blessed? I know things are tough. I get it. But aren't we blessed to be part of how we see God's culminating events beginning to transpire and even beyond that, the magnitude of our being a part of that? Isn't that exciting for you? It's just absolutely exciting and wonderful. And it is. Well, uh, you have a decision to make because 13 and a half billion years ago, matter, energy, space, and time came into being by the force of God, uh, God's voice and the fashioning of his hands. And at the same time, something that don't people, a lot of people don't know and even the scientists don't think about is decay began at the same time. It was part of the creation process. So everything that has been in the material area and a lot of things in the spiritual area have a decay factor. God didn't let the decay factor took place in heaven stay there. He's not going to let the decay factor that's there now last forever. There's coming a time when he's going to purge heaven of the decay factor, which is the fallen angels and Satan's fall. So, uh, the, the K factor is there. It's in everything in the universe. When you look out and you see the stars, they had a place in the early beginning. All of the all of the cosmos 
that we see now the the large clusters of galaxies. They're about the same age. Now, they have individual stars still forming as they do in their own Milky Way, but they're all slowly dying. They're losing their heat, which is which is basically the, the law of decay or, or the law of second dynamics, thermodynamics, if you want to get to a technical term on it. But decay started at the, sec- at the exact same time and out of the same functioning as a matter, energy, space, and time, the decay factor was there. And we, we, we can see that if we're a little bit astute, and even if we're not too astute, we can see that and to see it in the stars, we can see it in, in, in our, our life, and we can see it in our, in our, uh, in our pedigree. We can see it in our children that were born to us, and we were born to our parents, and now maybe some of those are aged and no longer with us. Many of you who are listening now, uh, your parents are, began as a child, and, and now they're getting to the age where before long they'll be They'll be moving on and prayerfully they're Christians. So therefore you'll have a hope of seeing them again. So we can see that in nature. God, God tells us that if we just look at anything in nature, it can, it can lead us or the, the one who is seeking to him. So the decay factor is not a, it's not a bad thing because out of when we see things die in nature, out of those come forth fertilizer to bring new things into fashion. The, when it dies on and goes onto the, the earth's floor, we see new sprigs and new trees and giant sequoia trees come forth and they live for a while and then they have their, their decaying process. And the Lord Jesus Christ in his incarnation, incarnation just simply means that he was the word made flesh. And there were before uh, he became Jesus the Christ, he, he, was the word of God. And it says that the word became flesh. That means Jesus in his incarnation, he took on flesh and we beheld him. And he says, he teaches toward the end of his ministry. He taught uh, a a message in Matthew, it's found in Matthew chapter 24. He was teaching this on uh, on on the shore of Northern Galilee there at Capernaum. And uh, he, he, he had been ministering uh, probably this same message many times. I have no doubt that they did. But in there, in Matthew 24, chapter 24, he gives a a briefing upon what we can expect, not not in detail, but he gives us a broad picture of what we can look at. He had some things to say to the Hebrew people in, in that message. And then when he gets to a certain place in that message, then he starts talking to, to the, to the, to the Hebrew people, the Jews, because they because they turned their back on the Messiah, he came to them first, and they denied him, and then he left their house desolate, as found in the scripture, which means just uh, set aside and and kind of uh, not worthless, but uh, just kind of set aside, and he took his ministry to the Gentiles, i.e., to the world. And in that Matthew twenty four, he he started out talking to the Hebrew people, then he got into the end time prophecy part of it, where he starts saying some things that's going to happen. And he begins his ministry to do the Jews day and Hebrews who will listen to him today. They can get saved under the same plan that the, that the Gentiles can. They can't, they're chosen people of God. Yes, but they got in, in this, in this time now, since he left their house desolate, they have to come to God just like a Gentile did. They have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved just like we do now. They have a future. 
They do. God didn't totally set them aside. They have a future, but in the meantime, they got to go some, through some terrible events because they they denied the Lord Jesus and refused to believe Him. So He was ministering to the Hebrews then, but also He went. He started prophesying to what we can expect in worldly affairs, and it carries over to our time. And the important thing about this is that now, in the last few decades, we are beginning to see the uh, birth pangs of these things, the birth pangs of them started like the foothills of a mountain. We're not, we're not, we're getting in there and we've never been to this place before, but now we're starting to get into the, to the prelude to the end time events. And Jesus in his message on that hillside 2000 years ago gave us some insight into that. And as he's ministered to the, to all people, not only to the Jews now, but to all people who, uh, will be born at that time, in the future, and into eternity until he closes out this epoch uh, when he comes back the second time. He came the first time, the second time he's coming back. The first time he came as a baby, the second time he's coming back as a, as a lion uh, of the tribe of Judah. So he goes on in that in that scenario there uh, in chapter 24 of Matthew, who, who, who wrote, uh, uh, no doubt by, hearing some of the message of Jesus and, and, and being taught some of the things by the other apostles and disciples. He said, Jesus said there, there'll be rumor, wars and rumors of wars, wars and rumors of wars. Now, when we think about that pre this time right now, when we think about that, we, we tend to think of it as the major wars that we've seen in the past, you know, where a bunch of nations flow, flow against each other and fight each other. And there's one side and there's another side. And then we hear rumors about other little brush wars and so forth. But it goes deeper than that. You'll hear about wars and rumors of wars. Now, that wars and rumors of wars can take on the magnitude of thing when you break, take it back into beyond the Greek back into the first century that Jesus would have been speaking to him, what he was saying to him instead of nations and uh, and and uh, nations against nations and kingdoms against king- kingdoms. What he would be telling them instead of the nation against nation, these would be those people of the same mindset, with the same intent, with the same impetus. That's what the nation against nations nations would be. Those of that same mindset and thrust. And then the kingdom against kingdom. Not as we think today about certain kingdoms, you know, to have a king and a few tough places now that have that in the world. But these will be the end time type of events where you have kingdom against kingdom. That is powerful groups of people that are with the same purpose and in harmony with the same purpose. So that's the deeper meaning of it. Groups. Now we're starting to see these types of groups coalescing. In our in in the news, if you get the news, if, unless you're listening to some worthy news station, you're not hearing that news. News. That, that's why I'm convinced that a lot of people today won't won't ever know what's gone in in the last eight or ten, fifteen years until they until they get into the uh, discussions and the debates in some of the, the, the uh, elections that are coming up, and especially the one, but for the presidential election election because. Most of the truth now has been hidden from these people, and most of them are ignorant. We have young people who can vote, but they have absolutely no idea about much of anything, frankly, except uh, 
the popular things, you know, what Hollywood tells them and what the music tells them. But if you ask them something about the political arena or show them a picture of someone, uh, even a, a very, say, say Ronald Reagan, you, I've, I've seen so, show some young people on this, uh, that are collegiate types showing the picture of Ronald Reagan say, who is this? I, I don't know who he is. Show them a picture of, uh, of George Washington, who is that? I, I, I don't know. Where where is the where is the uh, the uh, state of uh, Alaska? I don't really know where that is. Uh, or where? How about Hawaii? Hawaiian Islands? Where are that? I, I don't know. How about Israel? You know where that? No, I don't know where Israel. What does Israel believe? Well, I, I don't know. I, I I'm not into that sort of thing. Uh, but yet they can go vote, and and there's certain factions of people who are trying to buy them off. And these people who have deep pockets have been very successful of buying off politicians because we have politicians in office today that have allegiance not to the United States, although when they swear them in, at the, at, if they go to Congress, when they swear them in, the fact is you have to do that at all levels of political force, whether you be a local policeman or you be a, a po- local politician or you be a congressman or a state person. If you have a hold of public office, you have to swear, or military. Yeah, we swore, we swore an allegiance to the, the United States of America when the same one that Congress and, 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 and all the policemen and all these other kind of uh, political offices swear. But these people who are, have been elected because they, they have been bought into service, they don't have any allegiance to the United States. They have, but they'll swear to it, but they're lying. They may not know to the extent of their lies, but they won't swear allegiance to this country. They say the words, but they don't mean it in their hearts. And we see that all the time. And something that infuriates me is when football players and uh, and, and mainly football players, I've noticed that because uh, I don't I don't watch the NFL anymore. I, I'm disgusted with the way, the way they've gone. Even that even our team here in in uh, in Florida and where I live. Uh, I'm disgusted. I refuse to watch them because most of these people come out of college and they make wonderful livings by being uh, paid millions of dollars, and yet they won't uh, they won't swear allegiance by just by standing at attention in reverence to the United States and placing their hand over their heart, and symbolic of the fact that they they love this country and they appreciate its values and the fact that they can make a wonderful living and have influence. And yet they won't do that. They have to now that they have to go into the lot. They stay in the locker room until the Star Spangled Banner is played. The music is played. And then they come out and go dazzless with their talent. I don't want to see their talent. I'm, I'm just, they're despicable in my eyes. And, and I, I, I don't, I would never support, uh, pro football anymore because it's lost its way. They make a wonderful living off the people. Okay, so we see that in the end time, we're going to see people who have the same mindset. They are groups of people that do that. And then you have another group of people who are powerful. And this could be anything from deep pocket people to political people who have an agenda. They could be any kind of people who are politically motivated in various various sundry avenues. These are powerful groups, and they are in harmony of purpose. And believe me, they, they are dedicated to have their purpose manifest. fact is, the thing that is trying to be proliferated now is to transform the most wonderful republic in the world, Congress, Congressional Representative Republic, into a 
communist socialist agenda and they're and they're getting it done because as marxism dictates let's get the young people and let let the older ones die off we can wait them out if we just get the young ones we'll have them so that that's what they're that's what they're after and, and they they're after our young in the schools they, in the political area they're separating families from from uh, by separating the children from the families, and they don't say anymore. Say that those children belong to you. I heard even one educator, a teacher, who said those children don't belong to you anymore. What a despicable hidden agenda that that just slipped through there. And if we look around, and a lot of people aren't aware, but many people are are aware, and they're standing up against this. And the judicial system is arresting these people. They, they lie, say no, we're not after them but they're lying through their teeth also at the highest level. So you can watch for these groups. You can see them if you look for them. And then Jesus says, and there will be pestilences, pestilences, pestilent infections and deadly infections. Now, we just lived through years of COVID problem, which disrupted the whole world. As a matter of fact, our CDC they were had one opinion one day and the next another opinion today. And these diseases they they proliferate. Fact is, you can, you can be in the United States today, fly to say to Southern Africa, and come back tomorrow, and you can bring not you. I'm talking generically. Then people can bring back diseases, and that's exactly how they're proliferating now because the modes of travel are are increasing. We we have decreasing in in aircraft that took has taken place over the. The fact is, in my family's lifetime, my dad was born in, in 1897. And, of course, the uh, the aviation premise and, and uh, physics had been looked at hundreds of years before. The fact is, uh, Leonardo da Vinci had explored the dynamics involved in, in aerodynamics, you know, four or five hundred years before the Wright brothers. The Wright brothers just put it into uh, wing and flying form. But the same, the same physics that allowed the, the Wright brothers on the hills of, of uh, North Carolina, Kitty Hawk, which I've stood on that hill as a pilot. I, yeah, I was awed by that. In fact, as I was born and reared, not probably 75 miles from there on the coast of North Carolina. But the same physics that, that held up that little frail thing on, uh, in 1903 on, on that windswept hill. Is are the same physics that keeps aircraft that weigh almost a a, a thousand pounds. I'm sorry, not a thousand pounds, but nine hundred pounds, almost a million pounds. Now they, in fact, is a, a, a the bigger jets now they they'll take off at weighing eight hundred thousand pounds in that area. So yeah, and and then we look at the look back at the way technology has grown in aircraft and shipping and rail. And all that has happened within amazing, isn't it, that the Western expansion really moved west of the Alleghenies only about a hundred and oh, probably about 140 years ago. In, in the 1870s, it, it started the Western expansion. So, yeah, things are transpiring in, in just our immediate life. You have, you have fathers and dad uh, and mothers and you have grandparents who, who live through this type of thing. This, this proliferation of, of, of commerce and communication. And I think about NASA. One of the major things we got out of NASA 
was a lot of uh, ability to to perform goods more quickly, and especially communications when a man can stand on the moon and talk to people on the ground, and they only have a short amount of lag to it. But I I was thinking about now. So we went to uh, to uh, Kennedy Space Center here not long ago. My wife, Doctor uh, Doctor Violet, and I, and uh, went down there. Took a, took our daughter down there to to see that and. Uh, We've been through it before, but it's changed quite a bit. But I was thinking about NASA, and they're they're still wasting billions of dollars and trillions of dollars, really, proliferating the thought that that they're going to go to the stars. No, they're not. The next the next major move of NASA, I'll probably incur their wrath by saying this. If their plan is to take uh, capsule people to Mars and back, and they can do that, that's feasible. But beyond that. That will be their last thrust with human onboard uh, astronauts. After that, the only thing they can send out there will be unmanned vehicles for technology purposes. So they, they did that. But we, we've seen these kinds of technologies increase wonderfully well. And fact is, in, in just my life, uh, as I said, my dad was born 97, the Wright brothers in, uh, in, in 03. And then when, when I went into the Air Force, they showed us a hit, the Air Force story. Of course, that was, my, that was back in the last part of the Korean conflict when I was flying with Air Defense Command. But they showed us the Air Force story. And to see the technology, how it's gone from, from just uh, silk and, uh, and fabric and dope through the transition to up uh, to where we are today with aircraft that go multiple times the speed of sound. As a fact, when I was working with the federal government, I was blessed to be able to fly with the military in just about every kind of aircraft and to handle the controls myself. And being a pilot, I was, that was a thrill to me. And uh, I was amazing. We took off over our city here and we climbed up to, to about uh, 40,000 feet. And I could look down and see the whole peninsula of Florida. And we went supersonic. And the only way that you could, I could tell that we did that was just to watch the mock needle go past one. And of course, now that's, that's kind of chicken feed now. But it's astounding, the technology and, and with those of us who've lived through the transition and you young people who may be listening to this and you've chosen aviation as a career, you'll enjoy that. It, it, you, you'll have, euphoria out of that that you can get through very, very few other things. There is absolutely nothing like being in an aircraft by yourself alone in New York. And I wrote to this in one of my books uh, about this type of experience. In fact is, if you would like to pick up some of our books, you can go to rafaministriesworld.net and there you can uh, you can find my books uh, and some of the other books of our staff. And I wrote in that that the joy of Flying and I used to love to fly at night with just me and the aircraft and how how we became one. You could you could feel the aircraft. You you could tell when it was when you were in harmony with it. You could feel it. It had it seemed to take on the soul. We've I've heard sailors say the, say the same thing about their ships and how the, how the ship stops being a, a, a piece of metal floating on the ocean and it becomes their home away from home. But more than that, it, it takes on a soul. And that's the way airmen feel about their aircraft. You get to the place after you've got a few hours in these, in, a, in the aircraft that you can tell when they have a hiccup or you can tell when they maybe have a, a, a mechanical cold or something like that. But it's, it's a wonderful experience. But we, we've seen that type of technology. And like the guy said, 
there, there's we got some time left. You'd have to make some decisions. We've got some time left. But like Al Jolson used to say, stand by. You ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, many things are going to happen because all these are proliferating. And what, what really kind of kicked all this off was in the late 1800s, the Industrial Revolution really started proliferating this whole thing in a dramatic way. Uh, we, we, we saw the decay factor, uh, not only the goods expanding and, and being increased and, and redefined and reinvented, but we also saw the decay factor accelerating because when you have one, you have necessity to have the other. What, what was true in, say, in aerodynamics or industry a, a, a few years ago, it's, the, it's in decay now. It's out the, it, it won't work anymore. We're doing the same thing now in the electronics. What used to be a cutting edge right now, you can't even, it, it won't even fit into your new equipment. It, it's, it's decayed. It's out of the way. Uh, and anything now, that decay factor is built into the universe. Our universe is dying as surely as a, as a person because the universe, it started dying at the Big Bang. And, and though we had stars being formed, they, all that was dying, and it's still dying today. We can see trees bud as, as a little sapling, grow, get old, and die. We can see children born as a babe, grow, get old, and die. We've had those in our, in our pedigree. But the good things about let me just toss this in for nothing. Uh, if, you, if you're a Christian and you had Christian parents and loved ones, they're not gone. That they're they're secure with God. Their their flesh it, it, that's gone. But the good thing is, God is going to give them new flesh. Just as when you die, this old thing. In fact, I I don't I would not want to go through eternity with the body that I the flesh that I have now. It's got too many frailties to it. It's got too many pains and aches to it. It's got too many aged and decaying factors to it. I'm looking forward to the time that God gives me a brand new glorified body, never in decay, no more decay, no more dentists, uh, no more uh, doctors to go to. We won't need those. We can eat whatever we want at any time we want, and we won't get fat. We'll, we'll be the perfect size that God has chosen for us and the perfect age, uh, like top part of the, of the circle, the apex of it. We'll be perfect in every way, and if you don't like the way you are now, you're new and you're going to love it because you're going to live in that thing for a long time. And to dislike it, you, you won't be a factor because it'll never be judged by calendar art such as it is now. So decay began, it became, uh, started to accelerate too with the industrial revolution. Technology advanced. And as I said, it's getting old. Populations, travel and communications are, are expanding. People think nothing of climbing on an airplane now and doing uh, 0.82 Mach. That, that's almost the speed of sound. But they hold it below that. They can practically build engines take it beyond that, but they don't want the sonic boom blasting continually. So all of these things are proliferating. And the K is continuing to proliferate. And I'm thinking now about the Earth's resources. We, we're, we're doing away with the, uh, with the resources of Earth. We're, we're overfishing the, the, the seas are almost overfished right now. The, the ground is, is overutilized now. Is The ground is wearing out now. And what isn't wearing out is being paved over. So all these things are happening. Uh, the food sources 
are becoming tainted in that you can't get original food. The food that we're eating now, people don't realize this, the food that we're eating now was not the same food we were eating 20 or 30 years ago. Fact is, the scientists tell us that the corn products that we eat now have very little resemblance to the corn of, say, 50 or 60 years ago, which had no resemblance to corn, say, of the first century when Jesus was speaking these truths. So the earth resources, uh, they're, they're being overkilled. And, and, and because of society is getting so compressed, we're seeing that warring, wars and rumors of wars taking place there. The violence is being escalated. Death, now, the, when, when I was young, one person's misery was a, a lot of people's misery. One person's death was significant. fact is, we built a tomb to the unknown soldier because one person's death can represent many. But the earth resources are gone. Violence is increasing. Our substance, life-giving substance are being de- decreased. I, I was thinking about this not long ago. You know, probably... Back in the 60s, a friend of mine, who was my boss at that time, he and I did a lot of fishing off the intracoastal waterway. And we, we would go out there and fish for a while till it got a little tired. And then we'd take the boat and run it up onto an oyster bed. And we would sit there for maybe an hour and just eat raw oysters off the bed. You can't do that now. They're all polluted. Only a very few places can serve oysters. But frankly, I don't eat them anymore. Although I used to love the thing, dearly love that briny taste of a good oyster. But you, you can't, I, I heard of another guy who took his daughter out into the, into the wilds of a, of a little wooded area. And there he found a real pretty pristine little cre- a stream just trickling down. And he said, Oh, that's so refreshing. So he bent down and took him a drink. And, uh, in just a few hours, his stomach was in cramps because he had ingested all types of, of uh, bacteria and he couldn't handle his body. So all, the, everything that we see now, is starting to fall in decay. All of our mores and all of our lifestyles are starting to decay. And you've got some decisions to make about this. So one of those decisions is how we're going to stand by Israel because our government is starting to set to, to, to uh, abandon Israel and all the other coalitions are starting to take form uh, for the end time coalitions such as Russia and China, China, and uh, all of these will play a part. But you know what doesn't play a part? The United States of America. We don't have any part of this. And I've been preaching this for 25 or 30 years or more, that for the end time events to happen, there can no longer be the dominance of the United States. It has to be neutralized. I, I thought that that would be through hot wars, where they would come in and invade us with atomic weaponry or super weapons. But just not too long ago, it came to me, that the, the method, of, uh, method of choice will be the EMP, the Electronic Pulse uh, mag, mag, uh, Explosions, EMP, where they, 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 they explode two or three of these over the country, and all of a sudden this country, for one instant, is the 21st century, and the next instant it is back in the, in the 1700s. And the sad thing about it is that within 60 days, about 95% of the U.S.'s population will be dead because of, of various uh, reasons. Food, for one thing. Water, contaminated water. They can't get fresh water. And 
It, it, it is that's a frightful thought to some, but God's not going to leave us here through that. The next entity that's going to happen on God's calendar, major emphasis, is to rapture out His church. And you don't hear this in most pulpits anymore. They don't. These so-called ministers don't don't preach the rapture of the church, the power of the church, the power of the believer, the authority of the believer, delegated authority. They don't touch this. I, I believe mainly because they're ignorant. Most of these young ministers are under 50 years old, and they don't listen to the older guys who have it. I, I'm convinced that God still has 7,000 in, in type of ministers who are still preaching the gospel, preaching the, the dynamics of the gospel, the full gospel, the, the Pentecostal message. And let me just say here, we, we preach the Pentecostal message. I, I think I just said this a while ago that our message is not the evangelistic message of Ephesians chapter 6 of a of the office of the evangelist. We do the we believe firmly and do the works of the evangelist, but we do not hold that office. We we wholly uh, God's called us to disciple people into learning who they are in Christ and how to use that authority to stand against the evils and then to fulfill what's there hidden into most people now, but revealed to those who will seek the Pentecostal experience. And you can see that started in Acts chapter 2. Okay, Israel will be isolated, and they pretty much are right now. Everybody now is against Israel. They have atomic weapons in, in Iran and Iraq in that area. And you, you can expect Iran, Iraq, and uh, a couple of those right in that same area to coalesce also. But Israel is going to stand alone. She will be isolated. So Jesus says, touching all these things that I've just deliberated for the last few minutes, Jesus says this, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Everything we've talked about now, he was alluding to there in Matthew chapter 24 and the things I've kind of delineated on as expounded upon. He says, all these are just the beginning of sorrows. And sorrows there uh, is like birth pangs. But have to do with grief and distress. And we think in the end time, people are going to be taking their life because they can't cope with these things. There's only a few people who are going to be able to cope because they can stand firm in, in Christ. And I, I, I need to say this right now. If, if everything around you is in decimation and, 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 and decay, God will, I promise you, God will do that. If you don't have any other avenue, my God and your God will do the same thing he did in the first century there in uh, in uh, Judea and Galilee. He will multiply fishes in your in your platter. He'll provide water to your homes. He, he'll see that you are in a capsule of, capsule of his provisions if you just stand from him in. But most of us are not going to be here. We're going to be gone in the rapture. So with these we don't have to feel these things, these sorrows that these people are going to feel. We won't be here for the major part of those. He's promised to, to take us out from the, from the grief and agonies that is to come. So these birth pains, we may feel the slight edge of that we're doing now in the things that are happening like the, uh, like the diseases and stuff. My family was kept through the, through the uh, and those underneath our ministry were kept from the pains of the COVID thing. We were, we were maintained in that. So having said all of that, I'm Lee West, and I'll leave you with this thought. 
to you who are listening and maybe haven't heard this type of thing before. Lord bless you. You, your only avenue of escape is in and through Jesus, the Christ of God. But a pleasure being with you till we meet again on one of these or on my teachings, which you can find on YouTube. Lord bless you richly.